invite you to take your copy of God's Word and, and turn to the book of Matthew, uh, Matthew uh, 27, verses 11 through 26. You may be wondering where, where Brother Wayne is this morning. Uh, he is here on campus. Um, T.J. Malden, who usually preaches at 9.30 and 10.50, is um, celebrating an anniversary. And since T.J.'s vacated, Brother Wayne is covering for T.J., and I'm covering for Brother Wayne. So that's, if, if you're wondering what's up this morning, that's what's going on. And, uh, but I'm excited to have the opportunity to share from God's Word with you this morning. What was the last song we just sang? Huh? What was the title of it? On Your Shoulders. Is that right? Is that what it is? Okay. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we can remember as children being carried on our dad's shoulders. It was fun for us, and I'm sure very tiresome and awkward for him. But Lord, this morning, um, that's how you want us to live. Completely resting on your shoulders. And you have all authority and power, and it doesn't tire you a bit. Thank you for carrying us this past week and carrying us into this time of worship. And we just invite you to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, there are times in our lives where it seems that we're we're kind of caught. We're kind of hanging in the balance. Uh, you may, you know, it might have been when you were 40 years old and, and uh, you know, you're working, you're making a living. The money's coming in. You're providing for your family. But you are just going like, man, I just don't think this is exactly what God wants me to do the rest of my life. And so even though you're providing financial security, you're, you begin to struggle. And so you shoot up a prayer, Lord, what should I do? And you keep on working while you pray in that, okay? You don't just quit. <laughs> but you begin to pray, Lord, what should I do? Uh, maybe another scenario, um, maybe you've raised your children. Maybe they're now out of the house. You're in your 40s. And you're thinking, hmm, should I just go back to work? Uh, should I go to back to school, prepare for another career? What on earth should I do? And so you're a Christian person. You shoot up a prayer. You know, Lord, what am I supposed to do now? Kids are gone. Responsibilities have changed. What do I do? Or maybe week after week, you come in here to worship. Or you come, you know, to the sanctuary to worship. 
or week after week you gather with a Sunday school class and you study God's Word and you share together. And um, week after week you kind of hear this, this, these words from God or this haunting refrain, if you would, that says, listen, I want you, as you read the Word and you hear God speak to you, you hear God say to you, I want you to completely abandon your life to Jesus. And I want you to, to follow him completely. No holes barred, nothing holding back. Just give your life completely, turn it over to Jesus Christ. And you think, well, you know, I trusted Christ as my Lord and Savior years ago. And I know he's forgiven my sins. I, I know he's come into my life. And, and I know it would really be thrilling to totally abandon my life to him. That would be exciting. I'd be willing to follow Jesus even, even if it was to the cross. But then when we begin to think about that, the cross and walk in that direction, you begin to think, no, no, I kind of prefer to be a Christian who's safe, comfortable. This uh, past Tuesday when we were having faith outreach, I reiterated that one of my prime objectives as the minister is to send our members to homes that are safe. That I'm not going to like send you to a place where your life's in danger. Unfortunately, after I gave that little speech, Linda Hollingsworth informed me that uh, there were savage dogs at the house that I had sent her to that day. So sometimes the plan doesn't go all that well. Sometimes in following Jesus, it's not safe. But in our hearts, we crave that. And so we're wondering, Lord, what do I do? How do I, how do I live a committed life to you and at the same time overcome my fears? Well, let's look at our text this morning. We're going to see a man who asked the question, what do I do with Jesus? Unfortunately, he didn't listen, nor did he take action, but instead followed the crowd. Look at this text, starting with verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priest and the elders, he gave no answer. And then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they're bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd, at that time, they had a well-known prisoner whose name was Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who's called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders 
persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who's called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. And all the people answered, His blood is on us and on our children. And then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. First thing I see in this text is a question. Will you listen? Will you listen? I can imagine Pilate had probably had a busy time, struggle, trying to you know, keep tabs and keep everything under control there in Jerusalem. With the celebration of the Passover, there was an influx of people into the community, into that busy city. He was probably very busy with administrative details. That morning, he'd gotten up, gotten his first cup of coffee, and there on his doorstep are the chief priests and religious leaders. And why are they there not to have a conversation or to thank him for being governor of the year? They're there to toss him a hot potato. And he's got to deal with this the very first thing in the morning. And see, we see in the scriptures that Jesus doesn't just neatly slide into our lives. Jesus is not just something that is comfortable. When we encounter Jesus Christ, it is actually a personal confrontation. And he actually alters our comfortable path. So the priest... And, this, and the elders wanted Pilate to crucify Jesus, to put him to death. I can imagine that the, as it says here in the text, that these priests were loud and boisterous and are attempting to, to get Pilate to really listen to them. And they could definitely be heard. You know, there was, a, there was a, an opportunity one time. The pastor left his, his Bible open after the sermon. And he was back there greeting. And one of the members of the church came up and just kind of glanced at his sermon notes. And they noticed... Right here by point number two, had a little notation. It said, weak point, use more force. Remember, thought, that's an interesting note in the pastor's little notes here in his Bible. Weak point, use more force. Listen, the reasons, the arguments that the chief priests and elders gave for why Jesus ought to be crucified were fallacious. 
But they were loud. They were bold about it. Pilate knew these men. He knew these people. He knew their character. He knew what their objective was. He knew right off the bat, it's right here in the text, Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. But Pilate wouldn't even listen to his own conscience. He knew, based on the character of these men, the testimony they were given, he knew Jesus was innocent. But he listened to the loud, boisterous demands of the chief priests, refusing to listen to his conscience. And you know, we do the same thing. We know who Jesus is. We know what he's done for us. Our conscience convicts us of, of the sins we've committed in our lives. But many times, we too refuse to listen to our conscience. Second thing we see in this text is not only did he not listen to his conscience, even though he knew he was innocent, he didn't listen to his wife. You know, the Lord will speak to us when we honestly ask the question, what do I do with Jesus? He'll speak to us. And what did, what did the Lord do? That evening, prior to this event happening, he gave a dream to Pilate's wife. And the Lord told her, don't have anything to do with this innocent person, Jesus. And she is compelled that morning to get a note to her husband. His conscience is telling him Jesus is innocent. The pressure is coming from those who are talking to him. And in the midst of that, a messenger brings in a note from his wife. He says, don't do it. Don't have anything to do with this innocent man. But see, Pilate was on the hot seat. And he's wondering, what am I supposed to do? And unfortunately, he chooses not to listen to his wife. You think about the people in your family. Think about maybe your mother, your daddy, your whatever, your wife, your spouse, your husband, your, you know, your aunt, your uncle, grandparents, whatever. You've had people in your life who loved you enough to tell you about Jesus Christ. Who've witnessed to you who shared about a genuine love relationship with him. Have you responded? Have you really listened to what they're trying to tell you? This morning, if you're sincerely wondering what you should do with Jesus, and if you feel like you're on the hot seat, God will speak to you. He'll speak to you through your conscience. He'll speak to you through those who really love you like a spouse. He'll speak to you if you'll simply open his word. God was speaking to Pilate, but he wasn't listening. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm innocent. Of this man's blood, he said. It's your responsibility. See, Paul, I mean, Paul, 
uh, Pilate thought he was doing a good job. He said, I'm going to get this person's opinion. I'm going to ask these people. The only problem was Jesus remained silent. He didn't listen to his conscience. He didn't listen to his wife. Jesus was remaining silent. So Pilate asked the, the hard questions. But even when God was speaking to him, he took no action. You know, last Sunday night, um, we had baptism here at First Baptist Church. And when we baptize someone, we are giving them the opportunity to publicly proclaim, not using words, but through this symbol, that they have trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And not only have they trusted Jesus, but they are committing their lives to actively following Him, pursuing Him, being His disciple in their everyday life and as a part of this fellowship. That's what baptism symbolizes. It's almost like, you know how on Thursday nights we put up a banner on the front of this uh, chapel and it says, celebrate recovery, you know, 6.30 p.m., everyone welcome. Well, why do we put that banner up on a Thursday night? Because we want people who are passing by to know it's a special event, come by. They already know we have services on Sunday. They don't, we don't really need to put up a banner that says Sunday services, do we? But you know what? That's what when you're baptized it's like. When you're baptized, it's almost like we went and put up a banner. Okay? And where would we put this banner? Well, we could put it at your business. If you're a business person, we could put this banner up at your school. If, if, if you're a student... Or we could put it up in your neighborhood. And that banner says, we could pick any name, you know. John Hughes trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And he's going to follow him and live for him. That's what baptism is. It's like putting up a banner. Publicly acknowledging your commitment to him. But what we see in this text is 180 degrees opposite of baptism. What did Pilate do? He wasn't baptized as a follower of Jesus, willing to pursue him. No, he takes this basin of water and publicly in front of everybody, what? He washes his hands and he goes, I'm innocent of Jesus' blood. I, I, I'm not having anything, I mean, I'm not having anything to do with him. Matter of fact, I'm going to beat the stew out of it. You know, it says here, I'm flogged. That's a nice way of saying, you know, half kill somebody. So he's not going to take action, anything. He's washing his hands of Jesus and turning him over to the religious leaders to be crucified. What about us? What kind of action do we take when we listen 
and we hear about Jesus. When God speaks to us through our conscience, when a, a dear friend speaks to us or a relative speaks to us, when he speaks to us through his word, what do we do? Do we yield our hearts to Jesus, willingly being baptized? Or do we wash our hands of him? And we go, no. I'm, I don't care. I'm not responsible for Jesus' blood. I, I didn't send him to the cross, we might say. I'm innocent. I tell you, you say that, you're going to hell. You respond like that, you respond by trusting in his blood that was shed on the cross for you. You humble yourself before God and you confess your sins and you receive his gift of forgiveness. You're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. You're going to receive the gift of eternal life. But pretending we're innocent and washing our hands of him... It's cataclysmic for your life. So what action will you take? Finally, we see in this text, verses 25 through 26. All the people answered, His blood is on us and our children. Is that me? I'm doing something? Okay. Then he released Barabbas to them. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So do we need to kill this and we grab the other? Okay, let's try that. Test. So many people ask the right questions of the wrong people. Who did Pilate ask that day? Who was he consulting? Well, you know. You see it in the text. He was asking the crowd. He didn't listen to his conscience. He didn't listen to his wife. He didn't listen to God. No, he was asking the people. So what was he doing? All you modern-day political junkies. He was taking a poll, wasn't he? He was doing a poll. Man, if Gallup had been there, he'd have had a ball. Is there any surprise to you when you look back today that the crowd could be manipulated by the, by the priest and they said, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas? Why did that so influence Pilate. It was because he was more concerned with maintaining his power. He was more concerned about maintaining his position than he was anything else. Had it ever occurred to Pilate that he might could have a personal, intimate relationship with the living God, that he could actually know God, experiencing a relationship of love between him and God? No. I don't believe that ever crossed his mind. But I think it's crossed your mind. I think it's crossed those who are peeking in on our worship service this morning and are worshiping with us through television. I think it's crossed their mind. 
I think it's a question you've wrestled with. What am I going to do with Jesus? And I pray that today you won't follow the crowd. If you this morning feel like you're caught between a hard place and you're trying to figure out for yourself, man, what do I do? My prayer is that you'll listen. You'll listen to God. You'll listen to those who really love you. You'll listen to His Word. It's not easy. As we approach Easter, we realize the Jesus that we follow, the one we claim to love and adore, was not headed to Disney World. He was not headed to the beach. He was not headed to the mountains. He was not on a trip to Europe. Jesus, the one we claim as our Lord and Savior, was headed to the cross. Will we follow him? There's a song that says, Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him. I'll go with him. What? All the way. All the way. Lord Jesus, as we see in your word, as you were going towards the cross, Pilate was confronted by you. He chose not to listen. He chose not to take action. He chose to follow the dictates of the crowd. Lord Jesus, I pray each one of us will listen to you above any other voice and we'll take action by surrendering our lives to you completely, whether for the first time as, a, as becoming a Christian, stepping into that new life of surrender, or even today as believers who realize you calling us to, to walk a difficult road And yet, you tell us to go with you all the way. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to every heart this morning. And in that speaking, we'll surrender in Jesus' name. Amen.